This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Be seated. Now, I want you to remember that no Beckinsale host ever won an argument by being embarrassed of his opinion. He won it by making the other poor host be embarrassed for his opinion. <laughs> Listener, all this stuff you've heard about Beckinsale not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of Rushmore, is a lot of horse dung. Joel and Kent traditionally love a fight, and all real listener love the sting of their battle. Yeah. It's bacon sale. Yeah. Nice. Woo. I think a little more gravel in your voice, and that would have been spot on. There we go. Maybe some Star Spangled Banner in the background. Yeah, just, just a big, huge one over General. the back. That was Thank good. You. And you even made it family friendly. Aw. Because you got some words. I did. You, you changed some words there. <laughs> just for you, Joel. Thank you. Welcome to Bacon Sale. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. And we'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our Twilight show hey Um, aren't you happy it's done though i'm glad it's over i'm not glad we did it i'm glad we did it because it was a challenge that's why we did the show Mm -hmm. it's a personal challenge i failed that challenge (laughs) because i hate that series (laughs) uh but we have some quotes here i'd like to read jonathan vasgar the man who gave us the suggestion his fault everyone he said i'm impressed i haven't laughed that hard in a while i hope you keep doing these defending the indefensible and we may in years down the road. <laughs> Two more Takes years. Takes a while to recover. Mary Nolan Cox says, also, as someone in the uh, target demographic, <laughs> the books were definitely better than the movies. Breaking Dawn was underwhelming and I lost interest. New Moon was my favorite, but the host is better than all of them. This is a reboot I could get behind. Hashtag Team Jacob. And she was replying to Zach. Hey, so she greenlit my show. So Team Zach. Yeah. But not Team... She's Team Jacob. I, I, I told you, is she Team Jacob Black or is she Team Jacob Rogers? I don't know. The one that takes his shirt off. Por que no los dos? That doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> exactly. And then finally, from Valerie Loveless Ilguth, she said, Oh, I have so many thoughts on Twilight. I was married and out of college when I read it, so I knew I wasn't exactly the target audience, but I still hated the story. Somehow I managed to hate read all four books. Mm-hmm. Edward creeped me out and had so many manipulative red flags. Through the entire series, I was waiting for Bella to figure out some sort of dark secret about him. But no, she married him. I still don't trust him. I was Team Jacob all through book two because they actually seemed to have a friendship and the relationship went beyond the creepy infatuation. I was so mad when she still chose Edward. Like, what is the relationship even built on? I've never bothered with the movies, but might have to watch them when my daughters get older. Maybe I'll use them as examples of dysfunctional relationships. Props to you guys for finding enough positive content for this episode. There it is. She says that she hate read them and hate watched them. She doesn't watch She has like a hate grudge. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what a grudge is, but she won't uh, let it go. Uh, <laughs> no. Save it for no. the grudge show? Yeah, eventually. Mm. Hey. Also, we have a new iTunes review. Nice. Woo. This is from Captain Trigger, who gives it five stars. Okay. And I say I'm that because it so far. I say that because he says five stars. See Kent five stars. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the superior ra- way to rate things. That being said, Bacon Cell is definitely an A plus. Oh, yeah. So you both spend the love. By the way, iTunes hasn't refreshed their site since like you know two thousand three. So yeah. I mean, I could see why they're doing stars and not letter grades. Stop. Netflix still does stars. No, they do thumbs up or thumbs Prime, down. Amazon Prime does stars. Who does, Metacritic? Do they do grades? IMDb Numbers. does stars. Numbers? No, that's my way. Anyway. <laughs> but that's the, we're not talking about that today. What are we talking about today, Zach? Gentlemen, we're returning to the world of war. We're building a rush more. Now, the last time we did this was way back in May of 2020. <laughs> Episode 255, the Mount Rushmore of war movies. But there's a reason. There's a reason last time. So we were trying to segment the wars and find a good way to break them up. Because and there's so, so many war movies there out there. So, and there's, there's too many. 
Like we have been dadding it up so much lately. Oh, I know with the Beach Boys and the War movies. Yeah, and the Twilight. It's all <laughs> Twilight's teen Was girl. Was that supposed to be the show for mom? Yeah, my poor yes. mother. Twi moms. Uh. Yeah. So we, basically, last time we covered some historical fictional epics. Mm-hmm. And even ones that follow the World Wars. But now we're, we are focused on World War I and World War II. And, and that a, is it. We had a plan, too. Like, back when we conceived this show, mm-hmm. it was too big for one show. And we said, well, let's break it up. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if Memorial Day we did one? And then the 4th of July, the show closest to 4th of July without going over, we did the second part. <laughs> this is Price is Right. Price is right. Yes. Game show. But I realized something. We did it backwards. We should have done Memorial Day as the World War I, World War II show. And then done July 4th as the Revolutionary War and other war shows because of 1776. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I totally forgot to talk about 1776 in the last show. Yeah. So, so it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but we're doing a show in honor of the 4th of July. Hoorah, America. Some of these movies have nothing to do with America, but they all have to do with America <laughs> because it's all from the years from July 28th, 1914 to September 2nd, 1945. The two major world wars. That we have, and we're going to depict the best movies for them. And there are so many movies to come through. So many. And honestly, most of these, because I actually asked the audience, I said, hey, if there's any personal favorites, tell me which ones to watch. And yes, I watched a ton. Mm -hmm. Still didn't even scratch the surface. No, no, there's there so, too many. so many. And, and they're all different types, too. Like, you get the in the trenches one. You mm-hmm. get the strategic planning one. You get the kind of the prisoner of war one. Right. There's, there's like, different Holocaust aspects. Holocaust movies. Of the, oh, definitely, yes. Holocaust. Oh, there, much like your pick uh, last time, we talked about Gone with the Wind, which is uh, happening around that time period. There's lots of those in movies, In the thick too. of the Civil War, the heart of the Civil War, that movie lied, and then you guys didn't like it. But <laughs> I have come around. I'm sorry. So can, can you explain to the listener... Who may have not listened to the last world, uh, last war movie show? What we're going to do today with our war movies? So we are first going to just go to our backyard, dig up a pile of dirt, or maybe make a little some paper mache, paper mache. But we're going to build a little hill, our little personal Mount Rushmore, and it is with our four personal choices. There's not really going to be much argument, maybe some condescension. Yes, always a little bit of insulting. Yeah. But say, hey, these are my personal favorite war movies. They may not be yours. They may not really represent anyone else's choices. But I'm going to build a paper mache Mount Rushmore in the back and hope it doesn't rain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I may make some out of, you know, if I were a more handyman, it'd be wood and stone and things like if that. If you were? If I were. But I don't. I have construction paper and some glue. That's what I'm going with. I'm here. making a sandcastle and I'm going to destroy it immediately after. <laughs> but, but there's wow. not only that. But then we are going to build the ultimate Mount Rushmore of World War movies. So next to our, our war movies one, which I think had like William Wallace's Somewhere face on the mountain behind yeah, our shared this, houses. This is a shared one. But this is one where Kent and I are going to go to the committee. Committee being Zach. Hello. And we're going to present our four options. And hopefully there's some crossover because that will yeah. mean that it'll, it sell through. it'll sell through and be chiseled on the mountain. But uh, if it's not, then Zach has to choose which one gets on, on the national monument for everyone to see. It's right. not just in our front yard or backyard. And sometimes these may not even be our favorites, but they're the ones that I think best represent the genre. And yes. Even though there are multiple genres within World War movies. Because I can respect a movie without liking it. Right. Also, I want to point out that oh, there's so many good ones that I enjoyed, and it's hard for me to pick the four that I picked. Are you more, or maybe we'll find this out, a classic World War watcher or maybe new, newer movies, ones that have been made in the past 15, 20 years? 
it's a mix of both. I tried to, I, that's the thing is I tried to, I tried to have a diverse uh, picks here. So right. it was like, you know, some older ones, some newer ones about, you know, the camps or about the trenches, like, you know, kind of just like trying to mix up world war one, world war two. Cause darn it. World war two is Has the lion of this category. Like they are just so many movies about world war two because yeah. it was such an epic event. World war one is kind of no man's land. If you know what I'm uh-huh. saying? Hey. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, what do you think? What do you think it is about? Is it is it the the vast epicness of the war? Is it America's involvement? What is it about? It I that think gives it's us we're so much still media? attached to it in some yeah. ways. Well, there was an ultimate villain in World War II. Yes, like we have there the was Nazis a couple actually. Who are good versus evil? Yeah, it's yeah. like everyone still looks at those bad guys in World War II mm-hmm. as like still the personification of evil. Oh, in a movie, it actually it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. When they throw Nazis in the villain without any backstory, because yeah. it's just an, it's a lazy move of just like um, my bad guys are Nazis. There you go. They're just bad guys. That's right. all you need to know. And I'm like, but, you know, give me nuance. Give me a reason. Give me something here. And they're like, no, just Nazis. That's all you need to know. Bad yeah. guys. Whereas you look at Germans in World War One and, you know, in a lot of these movies, they depict the soldiers as just doing their job. Mm-hmm. And the leaders, they don't show much at all. Mm-hmm. And so when the war ends, you're like, OK. And granted, many of these countries were punished for decades after. Well, but it wasn't the same there, there weren't the same penalties even that there was after World Can War II. Can I admit something, gentlemen? Yeah. So for this episode, I wanted to understand World War One and World War II a little bit better. Okay. Because I, I, World War II, I, I know the general gist of it. I think you get that just by living in the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, I found out that both my both of my grandparents, both of my grandpas on both sides, uh, served in World War II. Uh, one oh, was in, very in cool. the army and he was a medic in the Philippines. Uh, my grandpa Dada was, and then my grandpa Joe was in the army air Corps, which used was pre air force. Wow. And he was actually down in Okinawa. In fact, his brother, my grandpa Joe's brother mm-hmm. was killed in the battle of the bulge. Wow. So there's like, there's this connection that I have to it, mm-hmm. but I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand it better. And so then I went through and watched a bunch of videos online learning about world war one and world war two. And I learned way too much than I should have for being a 40-year-old man. Like you should have known this all along. I should have known a lot more. And I I have historian friends and we have historian listener as well. But I I just felt like I became a better person because of this episode because I learned more about both my family and the the history of this country. Yeah. So I learned something. (laughs) If nothing else, if you guys hate my picks... I still learned something. See, I think of World War One, and I think trench warfare and mustard gas. Uh-huh. Whereas I think World War Two, and you think Hitler and both sides of the uh, the attack there. Yeah. Well, it's funny too because watching these videos, I watched how war had changed mm-hmm. with the World Wars, like how that altered everything. Even just the uniforms, for example, before it was kind of like the French were wearing. I think it was like blue coats and red pants, and they got into World they had War One. A lot I, of flair, and it was like you're not camouflaged at all. You're right. you're going down. And so then it, like, they start getting helmets and things like that. Air, aerial warfare started in World War One. is kind mm-hmm. of a major thing. Dogfights and everything. So like I said. I, okay, we'll get into it. We're not in the here for the history. In fact, most of these picks are not historically accurate. I do like seeing, though, that if something was based on a true story. Because as we talked about our historical epics, mm-hmm. a lot of those were just made up. Right. Just, and, to, just to serve a time period. But they're all kind of, they're based in history. And they're yes. trying to give a flavor of a certain point of it. And I found a lot of my picks that I thought were historically accurate were mostly just fabrication. Okay. I'm interested to find out. So we'll get to that. But let's get started, Zach. Let's start up with the... You're, you're doing your individuals first, right? Yeah, our personal you're backyard do monuments. Your mini golf monuments. <laughs> That's exactly it. Mini golf monuments. And we'll go... Are you just going to present back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. These are your personal picks, so we will not dispute them, but they are not free from a little bit of criticism. It's going to be weird mocking some of these movies, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they'll mostly be like, wow, that's a good Your movie. war right, movie yeah. sucks. <laughs> Maybe there's a better pick. Yeah. What do you got, Kent? War horse for all four heads. I just want four horses. Four, hor- <laughs> four anyway. war horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, a show I don't agree with you. Joel, give me anything else. <laughs> so I actually chose all war hosts as well. <laughs> well, that's, that's our show. show. Finger, um, finger, finger hoof. <laughs> no. Please, finger listener, hoof? help me. Hold on, not hoof I don't boop? know. That, I said <laughs> finger hoof. I don't know. Finger <laughs> hoof. All right, Kent, what's your this first? This is staying thing? in the show, by but the for way. For your personal monument. I got to start with the big one, and the one that's most obvious, it's Dunkirk from 2017. Most obvious for you. Yeah, I was going to say, everyone knew that you were going to pick Dunkirk. As soon as 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 they saw the image for this episode, they're like, Dunkirk, it's going to be in there. That's because they know if you think about war at this point. So why do you like this mediocre war movie, Ken? Are you really calling it mediocre? It's good. And you're standing by that. No, it's good. It's good. So if you don't know the story of Dunkirk, it's allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. Did Uh, you know about the story of Dunkirk before going into the movie? Very, very, very little. In fact... I knew nothing. Oh, nothing. About Dunkirk before going in to see Dunkirk. So you didn't... And by the way, like, I think... It's it's more of a British history thing than American history It is. History and thing. it's such a huge moment for them. Yeah. A, kind of a rah-rah, stiff upper lip moment. In fact, Christopher Nolan said, longer quote, but he said, this is an essential moment in the history of World War II. If this evacuation had not been a success, Great Britain would have been obliged to capitulate and the whole world would have been lost or would have known a different fate. The Germans would undoubtedly have conquered Europe. The U.S. would not have returned to war. It's a true point of rupture in the war and in the history of the world. And so he's saying if that never happened, because at that point, when they successfully got most of the soldiers back, when they were able to Spoiler rescue them alert for history. off the beach, exactly, <laughs> Winston Churchill was able to use that as a moment of this major, maybe first huge success. Well, it's also the for P- them. It's civilians going in to save the soldiers. And that's what's so unique about it. It's not soldiers saving civilians or just soldiers fighting each other. Civilians are coming in to save four hundred thousand soldiers so many so my question is following up where we want one head or one thing representing on rushmore what would you possibly pick for this movie there are so many because i know who you should pick well yes i should but you know who i'm gonna pick the story of my life. Harry Styles. No. Harry Styles. Come on. Yeah. Putting Harry Styles He's in, in my backyard. <laughs> what's, uh, what's his name on the, the, the civilian on the boat? Isn't that Mark Rylance? Yeah, Mark Rylance. I would pick There's him. There's Kenneth Branagh, Fionn Whitehead. He plays the, the main kid in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be Harry Styles. You should use the feet poking out of the mountain, the bare feet <laughs> poking out of the mountain. Look, I have got two daughters that are eventually going to know who One Direction are, maybe. So when mm, they see... They'll, they'll, they'll know who Christopher Nolan is before they know who... Okay, good. I hope I hope Harry Styles like you as your dad, definitely. Yeah, that's true. But it's a unique movie because it's a third act of a movie. It's like you get rid of all the romance and then the characterization before, which truthfully is missing in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, boom, it's war and it's all the time. And it is so crazy frantic when you watch it, Mm -hmm. because I think, listener, you should you should watch it when you do. Just know that there are three different time periods, four different time periods, three different timelines, a triptych. That's three timelines, three timelines. And so they're but they're going at different speeds. So it's kind of disorienting at first to be like, how long have they been on this beach versus how long they've been in the air? But if you kind of go into it knowing that it's showing it from different points of view in different times, it makes more sense. One is over a week. One's over. Is it like a day or a couple couple days? days, And then one's over a couple hours. Yeah. So the movie feels simplistic because it's just a war movie where you just see a battle happening, but what it becomes is amazing. 
and one of his best pieced together films. Uh, the reality of this one is a little bit different. Uh, there's a lot of truth here, but there were 90,000 people that were either wounded, killed, or taken prisoner. Like 11,000 Brits lost their lives here. And so out of 400,000, yes, they saved most of them. But they didn't actually show one of the coolest things is what I found out. The French Tom were actually, Hardy's face? Tom, yeah, you don't see Tom Hardy's <laughs> face. But the French were actually defending the line. Mm-hmm. So the Germans, and the Germans also were a little worried. There was kind of a standoff there. But they defended the Germans from attacking everyone on the beach because they could have picked them off easily if had they just pushed on. Yeah. But they didn't show that in the movie, that the French actually kind of sacrificing themselves right. for everyone. But I love this movie because you can taste the salt water. You sit inside the cockpit. You feel the urgency of the waves just as you're traveling to Dunkirk I, to save these soldiers. I don't think I want to taste salt water. I don't think I want to uh, do No, that. but you don't, when you're watching this movie, don't you kind of just feel everything and the sound is so enveloping is, as well? It is a visceral experience in my life. Yes. <laughs> That's why I actually, in a previous show, put this as my one and done because I, I love this movie. And, but it's, it was just such a like a crazy experience seeing it in the theaters. And I, I felt kind of punches you in the tense face. and stressed. I was like, I don't know that I need that again, but wow. Yes. It is the least Nolan Nolan movie, though. It's true. And that's Save for not our like Nolan a, show. Uh, my first one on my personal monument. Uh, guys, Merry Christmas. Merry oh, Christmas. Okay. I'm choosing Joyeux Noël, which is French for Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is a 2005 First World War movie. This is my World War I pick, and okay. I actually really, really enjoy this movie. I've never seen it. What? I kind of want to mock you for choosing it, but I've never seen it. So this is uh, uh, the synopsis. In December 1914, an unofficial Christmas truce on the Western Front allows soldiers from opposing sides of the First World War to gain insight into each other's way of life. Uh, this is PG-13. Uh, there's some war, there's war violence and a brief scene, uh, a sexual scene. Um, but it's, it's PG-13. The only pe- person you'd probably recognize in the cast is Diane Kruger. Oh, she's in it? Yeah. Okay. Kent's in. I, I totally uh, am, actually. But this is, it's a beautiful balance of the horrors of war with the spirit of Christmas because it's this French and Scottish and German soldiers. Uh, so, you know, no British, no Americans here. Mm-hmm. They're coming together in this trench warfare. And then on Christmas Eve, I won't get into how, but they start kind of like, let's just put down our guns and just have Christmas together. And it's not like they're sitting down having a ham or anything. Like they're walking around, like they, they play some soccer together. Right. But it's like different countries coming together to play some soccer. They're hanging out. They they sing Christmas carols together. And it's just, it's a beautiful, heartwarming and heartbreaking movie. It's just well acted, well executed. It, it's one I think everyone really needs to see. And it's based on factual events. Christmas movie? Yeah, but okay. I mean, it's it, it's the, it's not like one of the ones where you like throw it in like, all right, time for our annual uh, Joy Noel watching. <laughs> so like, I, I'm interested for, about the format. Does it have half battle in it? There's there are some war scenes, and in fact, it's it's kind of hard because they're they're fighting against each other, and then kind of this this unofficial that becomes official truce happens, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of getting to know each other, and then they have to go back to fighting each other. And you see them fight again. So it's like, break. You Well, kind of, yeah. It gets to that point near the end where they have to make a decision of like, I know this person now. Is it as easy to, to harm them or to kill them? And so it's it's it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the 78th Academy Awards. But it's based on true events that happened. And you can go see pictures of this. But it's this beautiful moment of camaraderie. And like you said, a lot of these soldiers were just kind of fighting for their country, mm-hmm. just obeying orders. And when they realize each other are people, it takes on a whole new level of war. And it's, it's a beautiful film. Like, if you, if you haven't seen this one, I highly recommend it. Um, so I, I know lots about this movie. Joel, uh, who, who, who are you putting on Rushmore? It's actually going to be... Uh, <laughs> Dan Kruger? There's a, there's a scene where I think it's a German soldier. 
I'd love to have Diane Kruger's face on there. Do honestly. it. But I had this image and just go with me on this. There's this scene. I, I'm pretty sure it's a German soldier. He's got the helmet on. He's walking out and he's holding this little kind of Charlie bound Christmas tree. And so I want to have his face with his hands and then actually plant a pine tree in the That's monument. It's going to be tough in paper mache. Well, it's probably going to take over the mountain. This one's going to be a dirt mound, I think. But <laughs> it's not going to last long. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, Joyeux Noël. That's French. J-O-Y-E-U-X-N-O-E-L. Or Merry Christmas, if you want to call it. Lots of subtitles in this one, but it's okay because it's really good. Okay. Okay. All right, Kent, you're up again. Speaking of Diane Kruger, the second movie up on my mouth oh, no. is Inglorious. Well, illegitimate children. <laughs> That's glorious, what we're calling it. Glorious bacon sale. I mean, really, I'm just looking at Joel and asking what I can say. Well, they, they spell it wrong, so it's not technically like you're saying. Technically, but, yeah. I can say inglorious bastards. Sure. Or sometimes they say barsteads. <laughs> barsteads. We'll go with that. Inglorious barsteads. Inglorious barsteads. <laughs> yes. Quentin Tarantino's movie. Inglorious barsteads. Yes. The PG-13 version. Yeah. So from 2009, in Nazi-occupied France during World War II, a plan to assassinate Nazi leaders by a group of Jewish U.S. soldiers coincides with the theater owner's vengeful plans for the same. Directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Brad Pitt, Diane Kruger, Melanie Laurent, and Christoph Waltz. So in you're putting Diane Kruger's face on there. Role. I could put anyone's face. Aldo Reigns, Brad Pitt's Aldo Reigns That's is what perfect. Comes to mind for me, his lip hanging out. Gorlami. But it's hard to say. Nazis. I mean, Christoph Waltz's he almost, head. He, he, I feel like Christoph Waltz makes this movie, but he's, he's certainly the antagonist. But he is kind of the the draw for me. Well, okay, so but no, but nobody knew that going in. I have a love hate relationship with this movie. Uh, how could you hate it at all? Go ahead. Well, just because you hate to love it. Uh, well, it's. So Christoph Waltz stuff mm-hmm. was fantastic. That opening scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, the opening scene is like what I, that's what I go see this movie so for. So tense. But I have to say, Kent, that it got to the point, and this was Quentin Tarantino's intention, and I understand that, so please don't get after me. The eyes of death right now. But it got to the point where they were killing, like there was a scene where one of the guys, one of the soldiers was like, I don't want anything to do with my party. They made me fight. And they're like, don't care, Nazi, boom, 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 kill him. And I was like, you've just become the thing you you hate like these people who just hate someone because they're other and you hate them because they're Nazi because they're other even though this person may have had some sort of you know aversion to what he was doing doesn't matter you're filled sure. with this you're gone I mean but that's also the thing about the barsteads is <laughs> makes, it sound, <laughs> makes it sound like a, a, like a family quartet <laughs> but, uh, but it's like when they're introduced these guys who are out for revenge for basically their entire people, yeah. they look like they can't be stopped, and they won't be stopped. And it's it's revenge prawn, yes, as we've said. Uh, so much that when this when first time you see this movie, not knowing anything about it, they do revise history. This and is that, what Tarantino does. That, re- that kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well. Oh, hardly. This is the justice we all deserve. But I knew everyone wanted to see this in reality, and when it's done in the movie, it's so farcical. But it is. man, is it satisfying. But I guess I just don't get the revisionist history thing. You don't. I understand it, I guess, but it just it doesn't gel with me as much. Like that's well, the, Those are the two things that I kind of went, eh. In a way, this is Tarantino doing what he does, because all his movies are about film itself and celebrating film. And this movie literally ends by film killing the villains. <laughs> it does. So, and you know, Big if you've seen the movie, the screen. if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But for me, every scene in this movie is perfect. I like how we're so I, hesitant to spoil these movies. Right. I know. Even though it's been out forever. If you haven't yeah. seen it, go see it right now. A heavier content. There's some intense stuff here, mm-hmm. but I I'm love. I'm sure that one's on Clear Plane, but Angel too. So. It should be. But I love every scene here. Everyone. 
is great in this movie. And the, the two biggest, the tensest scenes are the first one. Oh, so good. And also the one where the, oh, the bar, the bar steps the bar. bars. That, <laughs> and he holds with, up the three fingers. With, um, <laughs> yes, with Magneto. I, yeah. Michael Fassbender in his best go. role. Oh, come on. But it is a great role. I, in his best role, he's in there for four minutes. You could really honestly make that argument because he's that good in this movie. But I yeah, can't. Where are you going to go on this? Are you going to love Michael Fassbender or are you going to try to I, don't, I love him? Michael Fassbender, but he's better as Magneto. Hey, guys, I agreed mm. with Joel. I agreed with Joel. <laughs> so, okay, Joel, remember that. Yeah, okay, four <laughs> hey, minute, a four-minute agreement. I wanted to call you a name, but, you know, I've been using it all too often as I'm talking about this movie. Barstead. You're calling me a Barstead? <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, this movie, to me, is Quentin Tarantino's best, and it's... Really? Oh, absolutely. His best? His Ooh, best. Save it for the Tarantino show. It is his show. most perfect movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I stand behind it. I, I'm not going to argue with you. Have I you seen it. the one with the toes? <laughs> oh, all, all of them. them. <laughs> all right, Joel, what's your second choice? Okay, my next one probably should have been on my net on the net. It should be on the National Monument. I didn't want to have any crossover this time, though. And so I ended up putting this on my personal monument. And it's uh, 1957, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like, can you guys both try to whistle? Um, uh, by the way, awful sounding and terrible, podcast just mics. like blowing into the I, mic. I tried to blow off the mic. So this one, 1957, if your only experience with Alec Guinness is him as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars trilogy, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. The guy is a fantastic actor and a bunch of other roles I've seen him in. Uh, this is probably his best. I might say this is better than Obi-Wan Kenobi his, in his acting. It is. This is, I think, his, um, which what is, he's known for. It's most. funny he yeah. didn't like himself in this role. He didn't like himself as, as Obi-Wan either. Yeah. I think he's very hard on himself. But this movie, so here's a synopsis from IMDb. British POWs are forced to build a railway bridge across the River Kwai for their Japanese captors, not knowing that the Allied forces are planning to destroy it. And this was directed by David Lean, who did Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. So he's done some big movies. That's big stuff. Uh, rated PG. So I think this is a classic film that everyone should see. And, and like I said, it's based on them building this bridge. These, these prisoners of war having to build a bridge for the Japanese soldiers uh, down in Burma, I think it is. It's an amazing tale of maintaining your dignity in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. Because Alec Guinness is just, he, he's, a, he's a British soldier. He's so British. He's very British and very How stiff British up is he? And he gets to the point where like he's being locked in this hot box for days. And when they let him out, he still kind of buttons up his shirt and walks very proper back to the office to go have negotiations. But he's able to withstand kind of just giving into despair by following this protocol which he has been taught and being very dignified and proper. He wants to make sure this bridge, which they're being forced to build, yeah. is of the best workmanship. And that's one of the best parts about it is that it starts out with them like kind of building this shoddy bridge. And he's like, no, no, no. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to show them the British know how to build a bridge. And they put their heart and souls into this bridge, which, spoiler alert for 1957, then the Americans want to destroy, and all of a sudden he's like, no, don't destroy this bridge. I made this. This is this is a monument. And right. it, it's amazing to see him kind of flip sides on that, where he's obviously with you know the Allied forces, but then he's like, no, I want this to succeed. Wasn't it William Holden who wanted to... Yeah, yeah. Heading up that, yeah. So it's... And th- this is a movie... Uh, we whistled, by the way, because that's the, the POWs whistle that tune, the Colonel Bogey March. Uh, during part of it, and that became kind of a little, you know, it, it was it was already in the war, but then it kind of became a popular tune. But this is the highest grossing film of 1957, won seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture at the 30th Academy Awards. And it's based on a true story, but very, very different. 
like it's the, the movie's almost entirely fictional in regards to character and things like that. Well, but, for example, General Saito, who is the one keeping him captive, he's actually much nicer to the prisoners. Well, but they also said it was funny because like the, the British people were saying you didn't portray the horrors of the camp. Right. And the Japanese people were saying you're saying we can't build a bridge as well as the as the British can. And we don't like that. And I'm like, right. what, what about the camp? Also, the bridge was never destroyed. No, it's still there today. Well, yeah. one of them is still there today. Right. They, they restored it and they actually still use it. One of the people who was actually in the camp and helped build the bridge, he said, the impression was given that British officers not only took part in building the bridge willingly, but finished in record time to demonstrate to the enemy the superior efficiency. This was an entertaining story, but I am writing a factual account. And in, ju- in justice, these men, living and dead, who worked on that bridge, I must make it clear that we didn't never did so willingly. We worked at bayonet point and under bamboo lash, taking any risk to sabotage the operation whenever the opportunity arose. So they were trying to sabotage this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I learned about this first because Billy Joel sang about it and we didn't start the fire. Among Bridge on the river. <laughs> among 1,000 other things. Yeah. Kent, you seem to know a lot about this. Is that for a future pick or is that for a personal pick? Well, let me tell you about my third pick. It, it, do it. It's The Great Escape. That's not the same <laughs> movie. Hey, hey, you liar. <laughs> I was going for Bridge on the River Kwai, but the comedic version? Yes. Okay. Because that's which, by the way, on the, the on the monument, it's going to be uh, Alec, Alec Guinness's Guinness. dignified face as he's coming out of the hole. Like, Absolutely. I love that. There's chin up. That. Yeah. All right. So, Great Escape. Two which hours. Another iconic. Isn't there a music that's associated with that one? Yeah. It sounds. It honestly sounds very similar. But very recognizable. So this is two hours and fifty two minutes. And listener, just so you know, these movies, which I've been watching so many, are. Almost all three hours long. These these war epics are long. And you think about a lot of these movies, there's just so much talking that doesn't really advance the plot or character. And then maybe there's 11 minutes of actual action, which may be well, stuff if you're footage. In it, if you're in it for the boom, boom, Kent, then that's fine. <laughs> I'm in it for the boom, boom. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. Oh, no. So Allied prisoners of war plan for several hundred of their number to escape from a German camp during World War II. Uh, directed by John Sturgis, who also did Magnificent Seven, starring Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, Donald Pleasance. A lot of who else? A lot of Such a good characters. cast. The, the cast is amazing. This one, I would say the same crit- criticisms fell on it because it's largely a true story. Mm-hmm. But the horrors of being a POW are not shown here. No. Basically, this camp, the real one, it's Stalag 3, was meant to be an... Stalag meaning the, the German word for like prison of war camp. Yes. It was meant to be a prison that people prison couldn't escape from. In fact, one of the guys that the characters was based on had escaped from two other camps. They sent him here because they said, you'll never escape here. But which is more, uh, less showing the horrors of war, uh, Great Escape or Stalag 17? <laughs> I haven't seen Stalag 17. <laughs> oh, you should see that. It's, it's the one the Hogan's Heroes kind of got spun off into it. So it is about. meant to be a comedy. It's it's weird. It's a comedy about a POW camp, but it was actually very well done. Didn't make any of my list. Honorable mention if we had those, okay. but... Anyway, just yeah, I should watch the it camps. It was bizarre, but yeah, this one life is pretty posh. They're playing card games, and they're just they have a lot of spare time to dig, Shawshank mm-hmm. style underground mm-hmm. and garden and whatnot. And the cast is having a lot of fun. Steve McQueen is cool as ever, even though he sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie. He really does. He's Mister Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great all the time, even especially with the motorcycle thing, which never happened in real life. No way, but no, you got to get totally Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen on a motorcycle. You really do, and, and it works. Like I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. When it got to the end, I'm not going to spoil it. But when it got to the end, so, I was like, what the heck? And I was kind of bugged. But then you read up about it, and you're like, oh, okay. It's, so they did still end up. It's in the title. Him. It's okay. Well, 
Not exactly. Not exactly. I, I do want to spoil the movie from 1963 so bad. <laughs> do it but gently. the first, no, no, I'm not going to. The first yeah. time I saw this movie, I was like, what? But what? But what? Yeah. Because the movie is so lighthearted. But then at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, there are evil people in the world and mm-hmm. evil decisions are made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave it there. But Great Escape, Steve McQueen's shiny face on my mouth. It's <laughs> a handsome, handsome thing. Yeah. Wow. Made like it for the boom. Well, let's uh, let's keep the happy train rolling right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, this is a World War show. Yeah. What do you got, Joel? No, mine, mine actually is a comedy uh, yeah. that I chose for my personal monument. It's 1997's Life is Beautiful. Oh, oh boy. Oh, great. So I... It's funny. No, the thing is, it starts out as this cute, quirky comedy. Yeah. Which is, I think I've told this story. I think we told it on our uh, crying show, maybe. But I went into this. This got attention at the Oscars. It won Best Foreign Film and Best Actor uh, at the Oscars. And me and my buddy were like, hey, you know, this is playing at the local theater. Mm -hmm. Let's go watch it. So we didn't know much about it. So we go into it. Ah, this is a goofy comedy. This is funny. Oh, wow. It's getting serious. Oh, wow. This is heavy. Wow. This movie is emotional. And I remember at the end just crying and i had my buddy next to me and i'm like don't look over here did you always cry in movies or was this kind of a uh, gateway i've always for tears? cried in movies i cried while watching the clips for this movie kent <laughs> <laughs> just barely like i was i was literally unloading the dishwasher and i was like don't cry don't cry this movie helped me we should probably tell love subtitles oh yes 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 that, it was one of the first never films before that's one of the reasons i'm including it in my monument mm-hmm. because it was one of my first fully subtitled films that i Loved. So the synopsis, when an open-minded Jewish librarian and his son become the victims of the, ho- of the Holocaust, he uses the perfect mi- mixture of will, humor, and imagination to protect his son from the dangers around the camp. Uh, directed by Roberto Benigni and also starring him. Rated PG-13. This is heavy. You don't want to show this to little kids probably. Because uh, it starts off goofy and you're like, oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's, it's not all fun. Mm-mm. The budget was $20 million. It made $225 million. Made wow. some big money. That's a lot considering uh, the subject. Not I'm, a true story, though. No, 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 no. In fact, he said he made specific changes to make it historically inaccurate mm-hmm. because it's like, I'm not making a movie about the actual events. I'm making a movie about the concept. Well, a lot of people criticize it, criticized it and still do because it makes light of the Holocaust. It gets both sides. I've seen I've seen uh, Jewish critics saying this is actually good because it, it portrays it in this way that we've never seen before mm-hmm. and draws attention to it. Other people are saying, you know, it, you could, can't do a comedy about that. But think about it. Like, it's being narrated by his son. Mm-hmm. The dad was saying that this is all a game, trying to make sure that life was easier yes. than it actually was. He's, and so the son is telling it as if it's a fairy tale he experienced at the time. And I think yeah. in that way, the narrative structure really works. Oh, it really does. And it's also, that's what it is. At, it har- at its heart, it's a story about a father protecting his child. And it's very, very touching to watch. Even as goofy as it can get at times, and, and as unrealistic as it gets at times, it the emotion is there. Now, I do want to bring up uh, Roberto, Roberto Benigni, the director. He says, uh, the reason one of the reasons that people talked about, you know, we can't make a comedy about the Holocaust. And he didn't, like, make light of the Holocaust. I should clarify that. No. He's, he's not going for ha-ha funny, isn't this weird. It's more like it starts out as a comedy, and then it turns into this serious thing where he's trying to be funny to his son to keep his spirits up. Right. But he said to laugh and to cry comes from the same point of the soul. No, I'm a storyteller. The crux of the matter is to reach beauty and poetry. It doesn't matter if that is a comedy or tragedy. They're the same. If you reach the beauty, Uh, by the way, Pope John Paul, who received a private screening with Benini placed it at his top five favorite films. So it's got the Pope's approval. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. We're having a sleepover with the Pope. <laughs> Weirdly nope. enough, he also likes <laughs> he also likes Batman and Robin, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you imagine Pope John Paul liking Batman and Robin? I like the we ice bunny pleasures. It's one of my favorites. Is it a guilty pleasure if the Pope likes it? No. That's a blessed pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah life is. is beautiful. And it's going to be Roberto Benigni's Richard goofy Benigni. face. Guido. Yeah, yeah. Guido Orofi. I can't say his last name. Si. Si. Buongiorno, Principessa. I watched it in that thing. Watch this one with <laughs> subtitles, not dubbing, please. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Good choice, Joel. Thank you. Kent. All right. My fourth choice. I'm putting a, another German up on my mountain. Oh, boy. <laughs> How handsome is he, though? You Wait, know, has, who do you have so far on your mountain? Christoph Waltz. Yeah. You, yeah. you have Harry yeah. Styles. To it. Harry Styles, Christoph Waltz, and Steve McQueen. <laughs> this is a very handsome. Nobody really knows what's going mountain. on here. Yeah. Until now, because I'm putting Jurgen Prochno on oh. my mountain. What? From Das Boot. Oh. From 1981. What a great choice. You've seen this one. I like Das Boot. I'm going for a hipster choice on this, and I'm so happy you've seen it. I yeah. Haven't, I haven't seen Das Boot. Um, I grew... My, my dad is a big World War II guy, so I've seen a lot of, like, the, the big war movies. Yes. And Das Boot is, uh, is a good one. I've won the boot. I have not watched the Das Boot. No, no. Das Boot means da, the boat. The boat. Dang I almost it! Said, I almost said da boat. The boat. <laughs> <laughs> We so, in the boat now, boys. The synopsis is poorly worded, but it says the claustrophobic world of a World War II German U-boat. Boredom, filth, and sheer terror. That's all it says. That sounds like Run why. Silent, Run Deep. Yeah. Except so, Americans. Uh, and actually, I watched Run Silent, Run Deep today, and yeah. both movies reminded me of the same, except for one went for a little more slapstick. Right. With some real emotions. Mm-hmm. Run Silent, Run Deep, that is. Yeah. This other one is straight up. And it's 1981, so it's not the best technology, but they it is so cramped, and you feel yeah. everything. Yeah. These guys, they actually kept the, the full cast. Oh, by the way, these are all Germans doing their job. In Das Boot. In Das Boot. Even the captain, he's not even a Nazi. He's just a guy. He's a good captain for a submarine. And this is an interesting take because so often it's just if you are a German, you are a Nazi, and that's yes. not what this is portraying. In fact, he's just trying to keep his team alive. And his boat is getting attacked left and right. And it's just call it uh, balance or port and stern. No, dang it. My dad's aft and no, aft is back. Okay. Port and what is the starboard? Thank you. Port and starboard. Yeah. They're getting attacked. Port and starboard (laughs) by Barsteads. Starboards? Starboards. Starburns. What's happening to this show? Oh, boy. Sorry, Dad. But it is just harrowing. This is just a full-on survival movie. And the original one, which I saw in film class in college, first time I saw it was two hours and 20 minutes, which is That's good. a short war movie. And then now there's a director's cut, which you can only find in German now, by the way, with subtitles. And by the way, the cast, it was you know obviously filmed in German by Wolfgang Peterson in 81. Uh, but the cast all spoke English, so they did another version. They just dubbed their English voices over. Mm-hmm. But the director's cut is three hours and 40 minutes. Which one did you watch? Last night, I watched the three-hour, 40-minute boot. Old. Uh, it's really good, but it's more stress. Like, it's not needed because it's more stress. Okay. I think a lot of these movies, you, you talked earlier about how um, not a lot of the dialogue stretches out, you know, the plot and things like that. Yes. But I think the the dull and the boring moments are, are part of the atmosphere in this movie. Yes. And in fact, you see the madness, which a lot of these movies, especially World War One movies, I noticed, mm-hmm. was about the madness that war brings on. Yeah. And this movie does that because, uh, so Roger Ebert said... Is, is this World War One or is this World, World War Two? Okay. Are all your pick, are all your personal picks World War Two? Yes, they are. I wanted to pick World War One, but I went. I had to go World War Two. Roger Ebert said, "War is hell. Being trapped in a disabled submarine is worse." 
Because these guys aren't on the front line. They're just doing their job. But at the same time, they're all going crazy, sometimes being stuck on the bottom of the ocean floor. If someone were to watch it, would you recommend the director's cut or the original theatrical? Oh, original. Watch the original. There's no need to watch a movie this long. You may be turned off. So if you can find the just slightly over two hours one, that's fine. That's the first one I watched, and I liked it. Great. It's the only one I've seen. You didn't go with uh, U571? Matthew it's, McConaughey. It's, bon jo- it's fine, but it's, it's like rah-rah, which is <laughs> fine. It's a war movie. I have no problem with rah-rah movies. Yeah. Especially in war movies, but this one gives a different take. Yeah. And it's so unique. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And you're putting the, the captain on your... Yeah, Jürgen Prochnow. Jürgen Prochnow. Um, All right, Joel. Okay, so on my monument, I have the, the German soldier holding the Christmas tree, little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I have uh, Alec Guinness's dignified face with his chin up, looking up uh, upwards. Uh, I have Roberto Bernini having a goofy grin on his face, maybe winking. And then the last one, I'm going to have little Satsuko with her candy tin. Oh, no. no. I'm choosing Grave, Grave of the, the Fireflies. So Grave of the Fireflies, uh, this was a 1988 movie. Uh, and we talked about this very thoroughly on our Studio Ghibli show, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But if you don't know, if you didn't listen to that one, uh, the synopsis is a young boy and his little sister struggle to survive uh, in Japan during World War II. This is near the end of the war. Uh, their city was firebombed. Their mother was killed. This is an animated movie uh, directed by Iso Takahata, who directed Pompoko. And Your favorite. <laughs> this is one where I was absolutely devastated by this movie, emotionally devastated by this movie. But I wanted to put this on my personal pick because I wanted to give some uh, homage to the people that were just caught in the crossfire. Yeah. People that weren't soldiers, people that weren't affiliated with political parties. These are children who have to survive when their home is gone and their mother is gone. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Are you crying right now? I'm trying not to. <laughs> You're doing okay. <laughs> You're doing okay. You got this. this. This movie haunted me after it was over. And so just watching it again, when we did for the Ghibli show, I was like, why? Why again? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this to myself? But it is a beautiful movie, but it's very, 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 very sad. Like, yeah. This is one that'll make you cry. An uh, animated movie and a war list. Yeah. I'm and proud. That's I wanted to have the variety here. And I was thinking of war movies that personally affected me. Mm-hmm. And Grave of the Fireflies, Life is Beautiful, uh, Bridge and River Kwai, and Joy Noel. All, th- all four of them. Personal movie moments for me when I was watching the movies about war. So like I said, we're not going for like the iconic best of all time. Everyone loves them. These are ones that personally affect yes. us. So... There you go. There's my four. So there's my monument. Those are built. Wow. Okay. And you did uh, Setsuko? Setsuko, yes. Well, with that, Kent, you have a very handsome one. And Joel, you do have a very diverse. I try. With a Christmas tree. Very diverse. Well, it's a pine tree. It's not going to have ornaments on it or anything like that. Eventually. Well, okay. So now that you have your mini golf monuments, we are going to now move into getting the national monument. Now, what this is going to take is a little bit of decision. You have both brought four choices that you think is the best and you are going to make me choose. Thanks for that. We're going to agree on this first one. Okay. Oscar Schindler is going to be up on that mountain. Joel? I actually had uh, Keanu Reeves from A Walk in the Clouds. <laughs> you stop that right now. I'll agree with him. Let's Soldier. go with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I hate A Walk in the Clouds. Of course, Walk in the Clouds much. is awful, but I like Keanu. That's true. But no, I think, I think Schindler's List should definitely be referenced on this. So if you don't know about Schindler's List from 1993, in German-occupied Poland during World War II, industrialist Oscar Schindler gradually becomes concerned for his Jewish workforce after witnessing their persecution by the Nazis. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Who was the executive producer on Balto. Steven Spielberg? Mm -hmm. Or Oscar Schindler? 
No, no. Uh, Steven Spielberg was the executive producer on Balto. That's the only other thing that, he's done? Huh. I think so. I don't, I don't know much about him. but In fact, there were so many directors that were going to take on this, like even Michael Bay at some point, but no one wanted to touch this movie. And even Steven Spielberg yeah. said, it was kind of a humble brag, but he said, really, no one will take this all that seriously I unless I'm attached to it. And obviously with his heritage, he's one that could really bring reverence to it as well. Well, and I read like all the people he tried to pass this off to. Like he was mm-hmm. like, Roman Polanski, take this. And right. Roman Polanski's like, no, I'll do a pianist instead. And then uh, he offered it to, Mar- I think, Martin Scorsese and a couple other popular directors of the time. And it kept coming back to him. And he said, I have to do this. This is important. And it was inspired. I really think so. And he worked on this the same year as he did Jurassic Park. What a year. In fact, they said, the studio, uh, when they talked to him, he says, I want to make this movie, and I want to make you know, this movie. And he said, they said, you do Jurassic Park first, because if you do Schindler's List first, you won't be doing Jurassic Park. No. And it's true. Like It felt like after Schindler's List, Steven Spielberg's movies took a very severe turn to more serious. So this is the only movie from the last 25 years that's made it onto the AFI's top 10 list. And really? I think even top 100. Wow. It's number nine. I was going to say it's high on the too, AFI right? list. Yes. Yeah. And it won 12, or nominated for 12 Academy Awards, won seven, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score. So I love this fun fact. Wow. Fun facts from fun Schindler's fact List. From Schindler's List. Wow. So when Steven Spielberg first showed John Williams a cut of his movie, Williams was so moved that he had to take a walk outside for several minutes to collect himself. Upon his return, he told Spielberg that he deserved a better composer. Spielberg replied, I know but they're all dead. <laughs> all the ones he wanted, all the, all the yep. greater composers. So wow. it's your job. Fun facts from Schindler's List. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually learned, I didn't know this, but uh, I'm not going to say his name right. Poldick Pfefferberg. Good he, he was one of the survivors, one, one of the uh, Schindler Juden, as they're called, the people who were saved by Schindler. And he made it his life's mission to make this movie made. And so, well, to, to, to tell his story. Yeah. So he actually was the one who got the guy to write the original book called Schindler's Ark, the 1982 novel. And then he also took that book to Steven Spielberg and said, I want you to make this movie. So this one survivor said, I need you to tell a story. And Steven Spielberg was actually not convinced it was true at the beginning. He says, right. this, this sounds so fantastic. Why would this you know, popular Nazi uh, rich man suddenly decide to help these Jewish people? But then, like, as he got talking to this guy, he realized, no, this is a true story. And he's like, I, I need to tell it. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, guys. Watching clips of this movie to get prepared for the show was nope. just... Nope. Wow. Do you need to? I saw it once and I'm good. I needed to. I actually, I, I felt like with a lot of these, I wanted to kind of watch just a bit to get the flavor of them again. Mm-hmm. And this was one where I got to the end and I was like, okay, I need, I need candy or something. This isn't a movie that you really watch in clips. Like you have to like kind of sit down and commit yourself and then you're well, done. <laughs> but the clips definitely got me like, oh yeah I, just, absolutely. I remember watching it all the way through it's not one of my favorite movies obviously but no. emotionally functionally acting and directing wise one of the best made movies of all time mm-hmm. it's pristine it, i don't think it will ever lose its relevance either no. well one of the reasons he made it black and white is because he wanted to make it more timeless and it works because it feels like that it feels like it's been around forever but it's really 90s movie but it doesn't feel like a 90s movie and then those moments when it's not black and white with the red coat like just stand out yeah yeah. Just so it's and it's a, a masterpiece and it really a beautiful is. ending. Spoiler alert, kind of a beautiful ending as well, where you see the actual people involved paying tribute to the actual man, mm-hmm. uh, man's yeah. grave. It's it's beautiful. Like it's a beautiful, horrible movie. And I say horrible in the sense of hard to what watch. happens. Yeah. Not not at all in quality. All right, Joel, on that note. <laughs> yeah, you're up next. Did you put this on yours or do you just approve no, that was one of, That was one of my picks as What's well. What's our next shared pick? Uh, our next shared pick is a World War II movie I think everyone 
when they first heard we were going to do this move, this show of World Wars. Was Dunkirk. Pick, I know. No. Bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> 1971, based on World War Joel? II. Joel? Uh, Joel? What? What? No. No, it's not my pick. Okay. And for a national monument? No. If Okay. Well, let's just go with stay in the Spielberg vein. I'm picking Save and Private Ryan. Yes, it is. It's Tom Hanks' face. At so two got the Tom Hanks. Then. Absolutely. Yeah, Tom Hanks' face. I was thinking actually uh, with the helmet on. It was mm-hmm. Either the helmet on with like kind of the, the water or blood running down his face or the end with him like holding a gun. Yeah, that's let's do the helmet on because it's a hard scene. Part. Yeah. Against, the t- against the tank. So Saving Private Ryan, if you don't know, following the Normandy landings, a group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines to retrieve a paratrooper whose brothers were killed in action. Uh, this was directed by Steven Spielberg again, who was on episode 65, Steven Spielberg and the Raiders of the Lost Art back in July. He was too. on that episode? Yeah. Didn't wow. you remember that? He was on that episode with us? <laughs> huh. Oh, man. So this was another one where I was like, I need to watch that opening sequence again. And so how I long s- is the opening sequence? 20 minutes. 27 minutes. And yeah. can I ask, is it the only thing worth watching in the movie? I've said this before on the show, and I my feeling is that it is an amazing 20-minute opening with a good follow-up. Yes. Like the the, the the opening is what props up the movie as a great movie. I but feel, it's great. I feel for like that. the better follow-up is Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers is the Better version of Saving Private it's Ryan. Really long. That's longer than Das Boot, the extended edition. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I actually don't love Saving Private Ryan. I like, do. The, the opening 20 minutes is like absolutely jaw dropping. I mean, it, it actually gave PTSD yes. to people who you had been there. You say jaw dropping. Literally, there was one oh, part yeah. when I, my, my mouth just hung open and I had to cover it. Just like, I can't believe I'm watching this again. <laughs> my I mean, heart. Then again, by the end, you're pretty speechless. Well, it's beautiful at the end as well. And right. I got emotional, obviously, while <laughs> doing this one again, just because of it is. I was going to say it's based on a true story. The Nyland brothers or Neeland brothers, N-I-L-A-N-D. After the three of his brothers died, the one guy was actually sent home. Because they're like, hey, your other brother's died. You're the only one left. You have to go home. And they actually found out that his other brother was a POW. Was a POW. And so he's still alive. The opening scene is Omaha Beach uh, and the Normandy landings. And it is horrific. It's not like what is happening isn't completely accurate. Meaning mm-hmm. like the, the, the tactical, what they're doing. But the feel of it, a lot, like Zach said, a lot of people said, yes, that's what it was like. It's an interesting test of like stubbornness, really, for Tom Hanks' character in the movie because mm-hmm. they're trying to save one life. Mm-hmm. How many people die to do that one thing? Yeah. But even watching it, it's just, oh, man. Yeah. That's well, the question, right? Well, I was, I was watching something that was uh, basically saying, you know, as Spielberg was directing this, you know, he kind of just let that Normandy scene go because he wanted to see, you know, what, what, what people were yeah. doing. And he, he, it had a sense of chaos. Um, yeah, that he didn't really storyboard it. He just said, go. Yeah. And this was actually the highest grossing film of 1998. Is that not weird to think about? Like it is in, weird. in like the, the, the decade of action flicks, you know, and, and dumb comedies that this was like the highest grossing one mm. nominated for 11 Academy Awards, uh, where it won uh, best director, best film editing, best cinematography, best sound, best sound effects, best picture. No, that would shake to Shakespeare in love. Um, so good. Revote. Yeah. Everybody loves it. But this really did kind of reintroduce an, uh, not an obsession, that sounds bad, but an interest in World War II. Well, and it changed how they were viewed. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like romantic veneer to those old movies. A lot of this movie is kind of based on the, well, real life, but The Longest Day did this 
Normandy mm-hmm. scene yeah. as well. A lot of them did. Uh, yeah, but it, there was so much fluff around those movies, and this movie just took that away and said. Let's go to war. Well, yeah. especially because, you know, we, there's a long history of the, you know, your John Wayne rah-rah war movies, yeah. your Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. rah Which kind of went away with movies. Vietnam. Yeah. And and so this it, being so grounded and so real feeling, um, this was actually the first movie that, uh, the first R-rated movie that my dad showed to me. He's, mm-hmm. He actually sat me down. Um, I was fairly young. He sat me down and said, we're not going to watch this whole movie, but I, I need you to watch this first half an hour. I want you to respect when you see somebody who's fought in World War II and, or, or who was involved, I want you to, to feel some respect because this is the kind of thing that happened. That was and a it, heart-wrenching thing for me too, is watching that and realizing they were kids. 18, 17, 19, 20-year-old yeah. kids who didn't even get off the boat before they were killed. Yeah. That was just horrifying to me to think about that. That's like, what I feel like modern war movies do really well is show them looking like they're that young, that they're yeah. 19, possibly younger. Uh, Whereas a lot of older movies, these are 40-year-old guys acting right. like they're just barely going to war. And this one, like not even just movies, like this set the pace for war movies, but also you think video games like Call of Duty and things like that. Medal of Honor was based yeah, on this. Medal yeah. of Honor Frontline did the opening scene from And yes, so they movie. start like this became kind of a the new norm, like the new yardstick that everyone had to be measured against. There would be no Dunkirk without the first 20 minutes. Prior no. to making Dunkirk, filmmaker Christopher Nolan consulted with Spielberg on how to portray the war scenes. Yep. Literally, he said... How do I do this? Makes sense. Matt's masterclass right there. Yeah. I do like your take, though, that it this is essentially built on that first scene. That yeah. first scene is one of the greatest movies ever. Vin Diesel's yeah. best role? Uh, Pacifier, probably. <laughs> it's just weird to see Vin Diesel <laughs> out of all the faces. That's true. All of a sudden, you have Vin Diesel there. And every time I saw him, I'm just like, family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can't we agreed on two? So we have two, two definite ones. Yeah, with we've the, done this before. I, I know, but the Tom, most definitive Tom Hanks choices and uh, Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. What else yeah. was it? <laughs> it uh, was actually the War Horse. Yes, sitting atop the Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. If you don't stop with that War Horse, are we going? Are we going to agree on a third? We are not actually, because I thought you'd use this for your national monument, but you used it for your personal. I'm going with Alec Guinness from Bridge on River Kwai. I wondered. Good it, choice. It really is that kind of movie. Like I talked about how much I love Great Escape. This feels like the smart person's Great Escape. Okay. Like this is like the intellectual kind because it doesn't focus on sides. That's why you knew so much about this Exactly. Movie. I see. <laughs> this now. focuses on individuals, not sides. It, it shows how each person's national ties directly influence how they look at the British construction. It's either British gumption or uh, national jealousy, but both knowing that it must be completed. Mm-hmm. And they're like... I saw this one finally for our best picture one. When this is a mm-hmm. best picture winner, also best actor, Alec Guinness, best director, best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, editing, and best score. And the only thing it didn't win that it was nominated for was best supporting actor. This is the number 13th movie on the AFI's top 100 movies of all time list. Mm-hmm. So this movie has a huge impact. It is two hours and 41 minutes. So pretty much average for every movie we've talked about. Yeah. Except for Dunkirk, I think is probably the shortest one. Yeah. But this movie changed cinema in a lot of ways because it's a war movie that's not about the war. It is about these singular characters and a goal. Yeah, that's a good good pick. So elegant. The thing just come to my monument and see my paper mache version of his face. I don't need to see it in stone, Kent. Really? You're only going to give paper mache that's going to be overshadowed by a pine tree? No, the pine tree's on the side. It's a small pine tree. Um, (laughs) It's going to grow. What's your next one, Joel? I think when we think of World War II that there's a symbol 
a, a visual that I think everyone will, will recognize. Careful. Yeah, really careful. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, World War Two. It's just Captain holding his shield. Stop that. Uh, it's Chris, you know, Chris Evans, you know him from Marvel movies? Stop that right <laughs> now. If you're going here, I'm going with Wonder Woman because that scene in No Man's Dang Land. Dang you stole my next joke one. Yeah, that is... Like, honestly, I almost wanted to put that there because she saves the day in World War One. She goes to no man's land. Well, that really was a thing, though. I know, but so like the way works. they said it, I'm like, okay, a little on the nose. Yeah, of course it was. Too bad no, the no, third no. act of that movie exists. No, my third pick, uh, my f- third uh, nominee for the National okay, Monument, uh, Your Honor, yes, thank you. is one I've talked about fairly recently on Bacon Sale before. I'm choosing 1970s Patton. Okay. Because just the image of George C. Scott standing there in his in his regalia with the American flag behind him, that to me, when I think of World War II uh-huh. movies, that is an image that I see when I think of World War II movies. Now, this is almost three hours long. Well, aren't they all? Then if you didn't listen to our one and done episode, which is where I said, look, I saw it once. I'll probably never watch it again. I actually may watch it again. After watching the clips again, I'm like, you know what? I did enjoy this movie. And I got a lot of feedback from people who said, you need to see this multiple times. But you talked about how pretty much only the intro was good. No, 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 no. And you said the rest of the movie is just, ah, it's okay. No, that's what I said about, that was Saving Private Ryan. No, a couple weeks ago we talked about Pat. No, what I said in that one is I said, it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie, which is good. As it's a well-made film, it's a strategic film. But it just was very long. And I was like, look, I got my historical right. vegetable. Uh, I call it vegetable movies because they're good for me. I've got my vegetable. It tastes bad. And so, well, some vegetables are good. I like broccoli. Um, You're going to make me eat Sarah, trees? Say it. <laughs> say it for the vegetable tearing show. Personal date story if anyone wants to hear it ever. <laughs> but I think that General Patton, and even just for what he did during the Battle of the Bulge and, and, and just war strategic strategery. Strategy. That's an ugly mountain. Correct. Uh, no. George C. Scott. Yes. Beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> this is another best picture winner, though. I chose another best picture winner. There was a lot of footage. Uh, there's some great warfare that goes on in this movie. And in fact, they filmed so much that they left a lot of the battles out of the final cut of Patton. And they ended up using it in a TV show later on, just like plugging in. They're like, oh, yeah, we, really? we have this leftover footage from the movie. Let's throw that in this TV show. A TV show called Fireball Forward. So, so it's a spinoff show. I have no idea. <laughs> it was just, it was just war. They just had images of war. So yeah, Patton, Patton on the Ritz would have been better. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. Was, I'll uh, go. I'll go. Wow, those those are some really big choices. Yeah, and you can make strong arguments for both. And you can pick I, all of just mine. You have two more, one each. What do you got? My last nomination, Your Honor, because I'm going to play Joel's game. I'll allow of it. Kissing up. It's the most dangerous game, Kent. <laughs> Zach, I love you. Playing from behind, buddy. <laughs> Mm. I'm going to go for a movie from 1962. Mm. It's a World War One movie. Mm. Ooh, you choose a World War One pick finally. Finally. I'm proud of you. Lawrence of Arabia. Interesting. Three <sighs> hours that and 48 me. minutes. That almost made mine. This is a movie that... It's longer than Das Boot. <laughs> the extended edition of Das Boot. <laughs> it, is, it is such a long movie. And granted, Joel and I have talked about this movie in the past. It's not our favorite movie. And it is a little difficult to sit through. But cinematically, it's a feat. It's astounding. Yeah. Right? So the story of T.E. Lawrence, the English officer who successfully united and led the diverse, often warring Arab tribes during World War I in order to fight the Turks. This is directed by David Lean, who we talked about also did The Bridge on River Kwai, mm-hmm. the other movie you're going to pick for The Mountain, Zach, starring Peter O'Toole, <laughs> Alec Guinness, once again, Anthony Quinn, Omar Sharif, and Claude Rains. 
Uh, this is number five on AFI's Best Films of All Time list. It won seven Oscars, which is Best Picture, Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Sound, Editing, and Score. And that got us, I got to stick with that real quick. Is it a little boring? Yes. But the score, Very much so. the cinematography, mm-hmm. the blue eyes of Peter O'Toole. I'm agreeing with everything you're saying here. Are just gorgeous. I just want the blue eyes. On the mountain. No, just kidding. Uh, obviously, his that would be creepy. His face. That's like Great Gatsby level <laughs> creepy. <laughs> but I mean, even the character arc is pretty astounding, and it is based on uh, actual person T. E. Lawrence, who was a little bit louder, larger than life, and was more than happy to take on this role of hero because he started off as a, well, I think, as a cart- cartographer for, at the time. I think so. And then ended up bringing in, which it turned out really <laughs> bad because of bureaucracy but got these tribes to join the British side. And then the British wasn't super nice Which, after that. And that's the thing is one of the, I think this is a good pick. Ken. I'm not saying it should be on the money, but I'm saying this is a good pick because this is a side of the war. You really don't hear much about especially yes. world war one, which is from the Eastern side when the Ottoman empire yes. was trying, was joining forces with Germany and then they had to fight the Ottoman empire as well. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch that story because it's not one you normally hear. So I think that's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, and so this was selected for preservation in 1991 by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And they said... And super long. And super long. But they said not only that, because they often do that with movies. They say, oh, this is significant. They say, this will continue to be significant. I feel like this is definitely belongs in the one and done category. Like, I think everyone oh, should absolutely. see it. absolutely. Yes. see it once, and then you're good. Yeah. Yeah, but this has influenced so many directors and it's the way film has changed and cinematography and the way this is filmed, like the journey, they make it go from a left to right Mm -hmm. as if the entire movie is a journey, a four hour journey. Sure. Mm. But take the ride once. But honestly, my pick for the mountain, if I get one, Mm -hmm. it would have to be Peter O'Toole. Has to be. With his beautiful blue eyes. Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. come on, those eyes. Mm. They're good eyes. Keep it up, handsome. Okay. So that completes your nominees. Yes. yes. With, so you've got Alec Oscar, Guinness, Oscar Schindler. Who Joel picked for his personal. I did. Colonel, then, Colonel Nicholson. Uh, yes. Yep. You have Lawrence of Arabia, Oscar Schindler, and Captain Miller or Tom Hanks from Saving Private Ryan. Which I think or bo- Gal Gadot. Both Ca- Captain, Gal- Miller, <laughs> Captain Miller and Oscar Schindler are both getting a pass because we both agreed on yes, them. So yes. They're both on the mountain. So now it's the next two slots we're, we're debating on. And this is my wild card. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm interested. This is my one where I hope it gets on the National Monument. Uh-oh. I don't think it will, but I think pe- more people should watch this movie. Humphrey Bogart. Can I make a guess? Sure. Jojo Rabbit? No. Good. That's good, though. It's a fun movie, but yeah. it doesn't have the staying power yet. Right. We have it, to wait a couple years. A camera from 1917? Uh, <laughs> no. Ken already took away my joke of saying Wonder Woman, because this is a World War I film. There we go. This is the first Best Picture winner. Mm. Oh, yeah. This is the first movie to show aerial dogfights in cinema, and it's Wings. It's pretty cool. 1927 Wings. This is a silent movie. The only silent movie to ever win Best Picture, uh, directed by William A. Wellman, who directed A Star is Born, the 1937 version. Uh, and actually, he was hired as the director because he, he was the only director in Hollywood at the time who had World War I combat experience. Now... This is 1927. There's an abnormal amount of nudity in this for 1927. And I say right. abnormal as it's very brief. It's, this, is, this would be a PG-13 thing, but they didn't have their production code yet. But this movie, the synopsis, two young men, one rich, one middle class, who are in love with the same woman become fighter pilots in World War I. So it has this kind of love triangle thing going on as well. So it's not just about the fighting, but the fighting is what you want to watch it for because there is no CGI. 
there is really very little any special effects. Just a sepia filter. They are, the whole movie. Yeah. They're literally getting these planes up in the air. They had, I think they said 300 pilots involved in the filming and they're doing dog fights in the air, spinning around, going like that and putting their lives in danger for the greatness of film. Now, it's it's almost like it seems simplistic to watch, but there's something I think in our brains that says that's real that heightens the stakes. Yes. Because it's not as like, you know, cool film just like a Michael Bay Pearl Harbor scene or something like that, which the attack scene in Pearl Harbor, really Great. good. Yeah. Yes. Rest of the movie, trash. But that scene is worth seeing. Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale's in the rest. Oh, Kate Beckinsale also is in the rest. Okay, take it easy. Um, but like I said, aerial fighting really came to, to the front line in World War One, this showcases that this became the yardstick against other other future aviation films were measured because it was realistic. People watched this and said, yeah, that's real air combat. And it's impressive to watch. And actually, during the whole time they were filming this, uh, which they one of the one of the main actors could actually fly. He was an aviator pilot. Uh, the other one didn't he had to take flying lessons because they wanted to get vi- uh, footage of them in the cockpit flying the planes. They actually let them. Yeah, and they had like a mount on there that they would like had to build onto the planes they had to do. Only two incidents occurred. Uh, one, some person broke their neck. Uh, the other one, someone died. <laughs> Hold on. But, <laughs> you just glossed over those. But I'm just saying, out of all, you, like, you talked about Sussex Nudity for like four minutes. So you just glossed <laughs> over the broken necks. But she, <laughs> I just was surprised by I remember when I first watched this, I was like, whoa, that's, that's not allowed. This movie's awesome. Uh, but no, but like it is like it's just an amazing feat to watch these scenes and realize that they pulled it off with very little thing. I've talked about my disdain for a lot of those early best picture winners, but when you do see the aerial combat in this one, like it made me wake up and go, Oh my gosh, that's like there's, cool. There's scenes where they show bombs dropping and I'm pretty sure they're really dropping bombs <laughs> right. on houses. Like it's, it's kind of amazing to watch. And I don't want to say this, but I do want to say this. Like there's that, uh, the love triangle and everything I talked about. So there's like mm-hmm. this human element to it, but there's also this twist at the end that I did not see coming. And it, kind of made this movie much more emotional and much more powerful. When Josh and Hartnett more dies. Yes. And then, and then, uh, yeah, and then Alec Baldwin has a whole huge thing. Uh, yeah. This, you know, what a twist. No. I'm off uh, the show. I can't handle this anymore. You guys got to stop. <laughs> well, and for many years, this was considered a lost film. Like it was the first Best Picture winner. No one had access to it. Until in 1992, they found a print in Paris in the film archive. Awesome. And they quickly copied it from the nitrate film to safety film stocks. Now we all have it because of that, because France had it. So thank you, France. Nice. That would have messed with your OCD so bad. I know if I could. Thank you, France, for something. Hold on. I glossed over that. (laughs) I surrender after that. (laughs) Just after watching a lot of the World War I and World War II history, I was like, come on, France. See what they did in Dunkirk? Good stuff. I was going to say something then, but I didn't want to do it because they were being heroic then. Don't want to end on that note. If you love classic, classic film, definitely watch Wings. So are you putting a plane as your yes, head? Yes, it's going to be one of the, one of the dogfighting planes kind of coming out of the mountain uh, with the wing, like half the front wing no, there. Those photo ops propeller. sound really dangerous because people are going to try to get on that plane. Like yeah. I said, this is my wild card, but I was like, I want to have World War One representation and I wanted to choose something different that I think more people should know about. So Wings, 1927, check it out. Even if it isn't put on our mountain, you should check it out. So Zach, you're choosing between... Well, I need to think about this while we do so. Do you guys want to bring up some honorable mentions if you have any? There Ooh. are so many. Can so I just many. run through the list of, of uh, yeah. movies that I put down personally? Yeah. Uh, so World War One movies, I put 1917 in there. I did put War Horse, actually. I watched War Horse the other day it's in really jest. Boring. It's really boring. It's but like a dog's purpose. Yeah. But the horse, honestly, there's some emotional parts. Like it's is. a Spielberg movie that doesn't feel very Spielbergian. Yeah. 
but it's uh, effective for a little bit. Were you um, in, in defensive mode or something? But kind of. <laughs> a little bit. You're not supposed to be listening. You're supposed to be thinking. Oh, I'm thinking. Uh, the third, I think it's the third best picture one ever, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's from the German I perspective. I rewatched that too. Honestly, almost made my personal list. It almost made mine too. It's because really it good. talks about the the madness that war brings on. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's a remake in 79 as well, which oh, is yeah? almost just as good. But it's a fascinating movie. Yeah. I did put Lawrence of Arabia honorable mentions. My World War II honorable mentions. There's so many, but I'll just run through these real quick. I did put Jojo Rabbit as an honorable mention because I was like, that was really cool. Yeah. Dunkirk, Hacksaw Ridge, Darkest Hour, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, The Wind Rises, I did put Saints and Soldiers in there and Memphis Bell. Uh, Inglorious, what do we, what we call them? Barsteads. 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 <laughs> Uh, Casablanca, The Great Escape, The Dirty Dozen, The King's Speech, Swing Kids. No Casablanca, huh? I did put Casablanca there. I know, but not on a mountain. It it It's separated enough for the war. You don't want to put a little bogey on the mountain? <laughs> Colonel bogey. Zach, don't listen. Do your thing. Uh, uh, the Best Years of Our Lives, Mrs. Miniver, Das Boot, I had there as like, I want to see that. Tora 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 is another one I said I want to see. A Bridge Too Far, I just barely watched. Worth watching? Mm, parts. Okay. It's one of those where the parts didn't come together. Uh, and then my dad, when, when I, I, I want to bring this up. When I went to my dad and I'm like, hey, dad, you're a dad. Uh, what are your favorite war, what are your favorite war movies? He said, Run Silent, Run Deep and Stalag 17, which I went, I've never heard of either one of those. Right. So I went and watched them. Both really good. Run Silent, Run Deep. Really good, actually. It's yeah, a submarine Clark movie. Clark Gable. Except and, for um, when they have the submarine models in the water, you can see the strings pulling oh, them. Oh, jeez. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> I, maybe oh, I, I see the other it on my Clark Gable, who's, who do you go toe-to-toe with? Burt Lancaster. That's who it that's is. That's it. And then Stalag 17, like I said, is a comedy based in a World War II POW camp. It's it's kind of bizarre, but it's really cool to see a lot of these personalities come together. So there, there's my picks. Can so you named a whole bunch that I, I was did. going to name as well. Sorry. I watched a documentary called They Shall Not Grow Old, and this is the one Peter Jackson did two years ago. And he gave he basically colorized documentary footage and did a voiceover from the soldiers mm-hmm. as he's showing like kind of like the depiction of British soldiers going into war, uh, British, New Zealand, Aussie soldiers. And it is so fascinating. Like, please watch it. Because they're they're showing these images of these soldiers. And then in the next scene, you may see that soldier dead. Ooh. But it gives faces to the carnage in this in this war. Did, we, did you see end up watching Torah, Torah, Torah? No, that's one on my list I really want okay. to watch. That's one that I thought you'd seen. Zach, have you seen They Shall Not Grow Old? Um, yeah, and I, I actually got a little distracted by... Just it's fascinating movie making Mm -hmm. what they did with with, you know, CGI to stitch together the footage and colorization and and voiceover and Foley work. It's 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 masterful movie making almost to the point where it distracts. But it it really does add this human side to and you really connect with these people in a a way that you don't when you look at it normally. Sorry, I had one more. Uh, went the day well. It's a question. Went the day well? I haven't seen it. Uh, 1942. It's about uh, an English village occupied by disguised German paratroopers. I mean, think Red Dawn, but not as corny. Okay. And it's actually, it's very well done. I forgot about that one too. You just reminded me of that one. Yeah. But yeah, a few other ones, Paths, Paths of Glory, Guns of Navarone. Oh man, there's so many movies I've watched lately. I want to be able to get them straight. Those are two that I was like. Oh, need- Where Eagles Dare is amazing. Clint Eastwood. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I and love then, that really? movie. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be on my it. personal if I have a and then, where, where Eagles Dwell or When Eagles Dwell? Where Eagles Dare. Dare. That's right. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> so off the Dirty Dozen. Yes, dirty so much dozen. fun. That is the better version of Suicide Squad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What about uh, Letters from Iwo Jima? Haven't seen it. Haven't seen this. Yeah, uh, it's it's gut wrenching in in all of the war movie ways. Because uh, at the Clint Eastwood in pretty short succession made uh, two World War movies. Um, I can't remember the other one. Uh, oh, Flags of Our Fathers. Flags of Our Fathers. Meh. 
Uh, it's it's fine. Um, letters from Iwo Jima. I Bridges think, of Madison County. <laughs> it, it's a little bit um, harder. It's it's on the uh, you know from the Japanese side of it, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I would recommend it. It's a one and done, but okay, I'd recommend it for sure. Anything else, gentlemen? That is it. All right, Zach. Kind of make your pick. I'll tell you my logic behind it. I thought about what people are expecting to see when they see this monument. The World War Monument. I think in the World War Monument, um, I'm taking... So obviously we have Oscar Schindler, Liam Neeson, uh, Captain Miller, Tom Hanks uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, respectively. Um, Joel, you put it on your personal and Kent, you picked it on your national. I think Bridge of the River Kwai is signature. I think it really is. Like If I think about World War uh, II or just World War movies... Like these three are the first three that I think about. It's one of the greats. And the fourth one I think about, I referenced it in my intro. It's Patton. Yes. So only World War II is going on the mountain? I think because of... Poor Lawrence. (laughs) Now, Lawrence of Arabia was a fantastic choice, Kent. That really is a good choice, but it did shift my thinking a little bit. I Mm -hmm. think if I'm looking at a monument, I wouldn't think about that right away. Though, like, you can make an argument of it going on the Rushmore of, of all time great filmmaking movies okay um i do think when you're thinking about it from that that war war perspective you just see Patton. you see the the just that opening scene with the flag yeah so i think you know even though you got two helmeted guys in there um in in tom hanks and and george c scott uh, i think it's it's signature and connected to uh what we're talking about today i'm okay with this yeah me too Right. But, so, but so the, uh, the official mountain then is, can you just run through the official, official mountain? mountain is uh, from Schindler's List, Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Neeson. From Saving Private Ryan, Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks. From Bridge on the River Kwai, Colonel Nicholson, played by Alec Guinness. And from Patton, General Patton, played by George C. Scott. That sounds like a World War monument. That's, that that's, is, I was going to say. But it is World War II. But I think it's so ingrained in our history and our media. And I think part of the reason is we had, at that time, we started to advance in media. Right, mm-hmm. we had more radio and film, and, and people would go they to had the war movies. Footage, yeah, people would go to the movies, and you would just watch in the movie theater. You'd watch the the tales of what was happening out on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and and the rah rah of the country all getting behind it. So I think that's why you were seeing so much more media in it. And there's really good, you know, I, I call it the Great War, but World well, War One stuff, but World right. War Two is signature us. I don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when we did our our uh, other war movie show mm-hmm. uh, episode a couple episodes back. A lot of those movies had this really kind of hopeless, bleak despair to it. I'm thinking of the Vietnam movies specifically. Right. But these ones, even when they're down, like even when it's like, you know, Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, there's still this kind of like inspiring hope in them. Yes. I don't think it's as grim as those other ones. Like even though it's depressing, it's not the same kind of depressing, if that makes sense. Right. Because even if, you know, characters are to die, you invest so much time in the character that it isn't like a death. There's still a victory in it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm okay with the Rara movies. I'm okay with the sad ones. I think that I think there's something to be said about watching these movies to both educate yourself. And I'm not saying you should accept these movies as like this is what happened. I think watching these movies helps, like Zach said, uh, it gives you perspective on what that generation went through and helps you kind of realize, you know, the sacrifices that were made to mm-hmm. make our country the way it is. And now that I'm even more of a dad, because I've been watching so many, I wear I socks and sandals and eat corn nuts all day. <laughs> Wait, Go. corn nuts are a dad thing? Oh, they're such a dad thing. I take it. I love corn nuts. Of course you do. You have <laughs> Ranch 900 children. Yeah. <laughs> Go mow the lawn in your new balance. <laughs> Get those but, babies green. But we want to know from you. We want to know uh, which, which more movies you put on your personal monument and which one you put on the national monument. Let us know if we got it right or if you think we're wrong. 
Uh, like I said, we're not going for historical, ac- historical accuracy. We're going for films that we love and films that are really great. So let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. But before we go, we want to give some shout outs to our patrons. We have the, from the I Am The Listener category, Terry Finley, Adrian Gray, Chris Drought, Braden Winterton, Colton Cook, Jennifer Kilkowski, Sean Sandquist, Kyler Just Wants Joel's Approval, Alicia Bass, Crew Dutler, and Scott Sprague. Thank you. Thank you. And from the Bacon Council, we have Nicole D. Hale, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, Stephen Ross, Matt Smudro, and Reverse Listener. Hoorah! We just met with them, actually. Hope you guys enjoyed your time there. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with Quick Quits online. For more details of when performances happen, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quick Quits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. And if you want to read my upcoming movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you want to connect with me, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at TumblingMustard. But most importantly, when you're out there on the social media world, make sure you're following Bacon Sale at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram and like the Bacon Sale Facebook page. And while you're doing that, stop by tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale and get yourself a shirt, a pillow, a mug, a keychain, anything with a Bacon Sale logo on it. And there's some great designs on there. And then if you'd like to support the show, you like what's going on, you can go to patreon.com slash bacon sale. Support starts at just $3 a month. If you like what you're seeing, if you like what you're hearing, you can uh, listen to our patron shows, our bacon bits, where we're having a lot of fun there every week. But with that, all right now, you sons of bacon sale, you know how I feel. Oh, I will be proud to listen to your wonderful guys on a podcast anytime, anywhere. That's all. Is she team Jacob Black or is she team Jacob Rogers? I don't know. The one that takes his shirt off. Por que no los dos? I learned something. If nothing else, if you guys hate my picks, I still learned something. See, I think your war movie sucks. I know who you should pick. Mindset, uh, death, destruction, dismemberment. Okay. Let's get pumped up to him for the Uh. fallen, y'all. Sometimes I say Barsteads. (laughs) Barsteads? We'll go with that. Inglorious Barsteads. Inglorious Barsteads. Yes. Quentin Tarantino's movie. <laughs> Inglorious Barsteads. Yeah, it's Barsteads. the PG 13 version. Yeah. But that's also the thing about the Barsteads is it makes it sound, <laughs> <laughs> it sound like a, a, like a family Barstead quartet. <laughs> hey guys, I agreed with Joel. I agreed with Joel. Eyes of death right now. You're calling me a Barstead. <laughs> if you're in it for the boom boom, Kent, then that's fine. I'm in it for the boom boom. I was literally unloading the dishwasher and I was like, don't cry. Don't cry. Okay. I don't know if that means anything. We're having a sleepover with the Pope. <laughs> Weirdly nope. enough, he also likes <laughs> he also likes Batman and Robin, so we'll see. <laughs> Can you imagine Pope John Paul liking Batman and Robin? I like the we ice pleasures. It's one of my favorites. Is it a guilty pleasure if the Pope likes it? I'm putting a, another German up on my mountain. Oh, boy. <laughs> How handsome is he, though? Are you crying right now? I'm trying not to. <laughs> Wow. Fun facts from Fun Schindler's facts List. From Schindler's List. Wow. George C. Scott? Yes. Beautiful man. <laughs> Thank you, France. That would have messed with for your something. OCD so bad. I know if I could. Thank you, France, for something. Hold on. I glossed over that. Come on, France. You're... Maybe I shouldn't mock the French people. <laughs> but at the same time, I was, I was like, why, France? I wear no. socks and sandals and eat corn nuts all day. <laughs> Wait, corn nuts are a dad thing? Oh, they're such a dad thing. I, I love corn nuts. Of course you do. <laughs> Go mow the lawn in your new balance. Matchy betchy. Yeah. Finger, um, finger hoof. <laughs> oh, no. 
Please, finger hoof? help me. Hold on, not hoof. I don't boop. know what that. I, I said yeah. finger hoof. I don't know. What finger hoof. <laughs>